everyone. Very good. This is Annika in Columbia. And Maria in Happy Valley. And we are here to talk about Bellingham, the city of subdued whatever we decide to talk about. We want to get to know you, Bellingham. Both the well-known. And not so well-known. How's Romy doing? And Tilly. Romy and Tilly. They're good. I added Tilly to the Instagram page. I saw that. She's a star. A natural star. I know. They're very sweet. Romy is not known for being the most friendly of dogs and getting along with dogs, but he loves Tilly. And it's cute because I think Tilly is trying to follow him around and do what he does. But in reality, she's just like completely pushing him out of his routines. Like he has this spot in the top of the chair that he likes to sit in and it's right in the sun and it's his favorite spot and it's now Tilly's spot and Romy sits in a different spot but he doesn't he's so for for a dog that doesn't get along with other dogs he's not super territorial which is nice yeah some dogs can get really like angry if if another dog eats out of their bowl or plays with their toys he doesn't really care no I'm sure Tilly the disruptor is good for Romy in a lot of ways I think so too how about burrito He's upset because he hasn't been able to go outside the last couple of days because they're doing some construction repaving in the lower parking lot. Oh, no. And we don't want him to get asphalt on his paws or get in the way of the nice men mm-hmm. and maybe some women. I don't know. I haven't seen any women, but there could be women that are doing the work out there because, mm-hmm. you know. And there's also, like, a bunch of big, loud machines And I don't want him to, like, not be able to come home because he's too afraid of all the big, loud machines in the parking lot. So he is upset because he's a cat. He doesn't understand why he has to stay inside. He just knows that I'm being really mean. (laughs) Mom, I hate you. You're so mean. So he's been pissed off at me for the last couple days. He'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be okay. He'll understand when he's older. (laughs) So as far as, like, stuff going on around town... It seems like we've rolled ourselves right back into some new restrictions. They're not calling it going back into phase one, but they are calling it a more restricted phase two. Mm -hmm. So only families or I guess people who live in the same house are allowed to eat inside at restaurants anymore. Aside from that, you just you have to eat outside or take it to go. But there's so many outdoor food options now. I've been seeing all over town. I know it's really great that the city. And, and the local businesses are, are getting creative with ways to make more outside seating. I've been saying for years, Bellingham has so many beautiful views. We need more rooftop bars yes. and just like rooftop spaces in general. I think this could be a really good push for some people to actually get on that. Because like the one on top of, what is it, like Fat Pie? Mm-hmm. It's like so nice. And yeah. I don't know why that's like really the only, the one. only one in town. Yeah, But yeah, I'm super excited to go to some of the new outdoor seating areas and get something to eat. While I don't think that there's actually any way they can prove if you live with someone or not, right? Just like, I'm not going to push it. Because even, even if I'm like comfortable with the people I'm at a table with, I really think it's just like being in the building with like the air conditioning stuff can really spread the virus around. Yeah, plus... It's such a great time of year for outdoor seating anyways. Bellingham is so beautiful. I wish that I would liked more outdoor things so I would be more encouraged (laughs) to spend time in the sun. I realized um, because I was in your backyard for a few days like last weekend Mm -hmm. and I have like the most subtle tan line on my foot (laughs) from where my where the strap on my sandal is. An accomplishment. I did it. I'm like one tenth of a shade darker. Yeah. Congrats. On my legs. Yeah, I know. It doesn't always happen for me. No. I'm a bronzed beauty now. Ooh. <laughs> um, also, no alcohol sales after 10 p.m. This is the police state we all feared. <laughs> it's here, finally. When they said they'd come for me next, I didn't think they would. No. I mean, obviously, people get stupid after 10 p.m. I've done stupid things after 10 p.m. I think that in this case, I'm willing to make that sacrifice to make sure that I don't do anything dumb that puts other people at risk. Yeah. By being too affectionate or forgetting to put my mask on. I mean, you can still get a a good amount of hours in. You just have to start earlier. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, once again, it's like the season of day drinking. It's the season of day drinking. Find a friend with a backyard. 
Annika and I have been having a lot of fun in her backyard. She's a fire pit. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm fortunate. I'm privileged enough to know somebody with a backyard. I know not everybody does. But I bet there's plenty of places on WW campus that are, like, empty. Because there's a yeah. bunch of, you know, grassy spots and outdoor areas. So you could probably find a place to hang out there. I mean, you wouldn't be able to bring any alcohol because that's bad to drink at a public place. But if you wanted to bring your guitar, maybe... And, you know, hang out socially distance and just enjoy the sun and maybe get a tan line on your own foot. And that would probably be a good place to do it. You could match Maria. Yeah. Hopefully um, hopefully other people in town have better luck getting, like, some vitamin D than I do. Uh, mm-hmm. Getting a nice, nice tan. But, you know, there's lots of probably Italian-Irish people in the world that just, like, burn, too. So... I've got my own um, things that are nice about me. Yeah, we have other talents. Other talents. What other outdoor activities have you been enjoying recently, Annika? I went backpacking off Highway 20. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I went overnight to Baker Lake, and we went to the Park Butte Lookout. There's still a bunch of snow, but it wasn't cold, so we were able to camp overnight. Yeah. On our way back, we stopped at this bakery in Concrete, Oh, yeah. That does cinnamon rolls. Well, it does lots of things. But, like, we were recommended the cinnamon rolls, and we went, and they were life-changing. I'm not a cinnamon roll person. I don't really like cinnamon rolls, but these were really good because the roll itself was not super sweet. Mm -hmm, That's the key. Yeah. And it was delicious. It sounds really good. I recently made a whole tray of cinnamon rolls and ate them all myself. Excellent. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) I went to the farmer's market Saturday, and it's awesome. They've got, you know, some really strict rules. Everybody was doing an awesome job social distancing. I was already downtown because I had gotten my hair cut. And so I just, I I know it's super cute. And you went, it looks like you went to uh, Argyle. Argyle Salon, yes. Ooh. Which, Which stylist did you go to? Bailey is my stylist, and I'm super excited to go back. I'm going to get a partial balayage next Ooh, time I go. That's um, what I have. Oh, I'm, I'll try to get a different color. No, no, no. It's okay. My hair is really short now. Is it? Yeah. How short? Like above my shoulders. Oh, I'm sure it's super cute. But yeah, I'm excited to do that. But yeah, I went to the farmer's market. I realized I didn't, I only had $10 in cash. I mean, usually I don't have any cash, but it was not enough cash to buy food at the really cool looking Filipino food stall that I haven't seen before but definitely want to try next Saturday maybe. Cool. That's is that Bry's Filipino? I think so. Okay. I know him. Hey Brian. Woo. So yeah, I, I spent about five minutes doing a loop in the farmers market because I didn't want to be there without a purpose. But it was nice to, you know, walk around and get greetings from all the people that are asking me to sign stuff or playing drums or just you know doing their bellingham thing get trying to get back to it as safely as they can yeah one last thing that i want to talk about before we move on to our interview it's a really great article in the bellingham herald that i want to shout out by dave gallagher and the title is as the u.s grapples with racism bellingham black business owners offer perspectives so it's got interviews with a handful of our awesome black business owners around bellingham and whatcom county about their experiences with being a black business owner in general and kind of around our local black lives matter movement and Mm -hmm. it was awesome to hear their perspectives and so i just want to shout out um that that's a really really interesting one to read and i encourage anyone um who loves local businesses which i think is a common interest of all of our listeners because that's what our podcast is about Mm -hmm. to check that out awesome all right um with that let's move on to the interview today our guest is kate whiteside did I pronounce that correctly? You did. Whiteside. Okay. Yeah. I always think, I always have to double check. Apparently it's a thing with this podcast that we always get like tricky names. Mm-hmm. And there's some that I haven't thought were tricky, but they are. And I don't know. So just had to check. Well, yeah, I spell my name differently um, than I think most Kates do. So I, I made it tricky for you. Um, I made an easy name tricky. Kate with an <laughs> I. <laughs> so... Kate is the executive director of the Max Higby Center, 
as two special educators, we are um, we have heard plenty about the Max Higby Center during our undergrad, and we are both very excited to have this conversation with you. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, we are so happy to have you. Um, how are you doing, Kate? How's your Tuesday? Well, gosh, that's a loaded question. How am I doing? Um, <laughs> it's I'm doing okay. I'm doing yeah. I'm doing okay. It's Tuesday. I think mm-hmm. days are hard to keep track of. That's for yes, sure. they are. <laughs> but whatever day it is, it's uh, it's good to be here. So, since this is a Bellingham podcast, what brought you to Bellingham? Yeah, it was a a roundabout way that I landed here in Bellingham. So I grew up in Yakima, Washington, over on the east side. And um, when I was looking at colleges to go to, I was looking at state schools and then a couple of -of out-of-state schools. And Bellingham and Western Washington University were not, they were not on my radar at all. Like I'd heard about Bellingham. I'd heard about Western. I didn't even consider it for a second because I'd heard all of the stereotypes of, you know, Bellingham notoriously is very rainy and there's like 364 days of rain. (laughs) I'd heard (laughs) scary things like that. Um, I'd heard that it was like a hippie town and nobody wore shoes and that really freaked me out. But (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's funny. Shoes. It's just like these high school rumors um, and stereotypes that guided my decision making, which 18 year old um, brains maybe shouldn't make a whole bunch of life choices. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I get I, that. <laughs> yeah. So I um, didn't tour or consider Western. I ended up going to Reno, Nevada um, and and got a swim scholarship for University of Nevada. So spent five years in Reno where it's very sunny. Um, but I really missed Washington. You know, it's my home state. I love Washington. I love the Cascades. And so when I finished college, I knew I wanted to move back to Washington. Uh, didn't know where in Washington I wanted to live. And my sister, she's much smarter than me. She went to Western and really enjoyed her time at Western and enjoyed Bellingham. And she told me to come and visit. And so I did after I graduated at University of Nevada. And it just so happened that um, it was a sunny day in Bellingham. Everybody was wearing shoes. (laughs) I was like, this isn't really... I was going to (laughs) ask. The lucky day with that 100% shoe wearing. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so I just, I was really intrigued. I was like, huh. Maybe the rumors I heard when I was 18 <laughs> aren't so true, and Bellingham isn't such a rainy, gloomy place to live after all, and uh, decided to give it a try and ended up yeah, renting an apartment with my sister and lived here for a year, and then met my now husband, who was born and raised in Bellingham, and he, pretty early on in our dating life um, mentioned that he, you know, obviously loves Bellingham and said something along the lines like, I'm going to die in Whatcom County. I love it here so much. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, it was kind of a fork in the road for me of like, okay, I really need to commit to this guy and apparently to Whatcom County (laughs) or not. (laughs) And I decided, um, yeah, that I wanted to stay and that I loved this guy that I was dating. Um, and so that's what landed me in Bellingham. And I've been here for about 10 years. Yeah. Well, we are so happy that one of our eligible bachelors was able to charm you. <laughs> <laughs> and now we, now we have you. And we'd love to know if you have a Bellingham story. So that's something um, interesting or amusing that contains a local person, place, or thing that other people would recognize? Yeah, I was thinking on this question and racking my brain on a fun story. Um, hopefully that's what, I've ha- what I have for you. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, so re- recently, you probably were aware that um, 
that there was a big concert at Civic Stadium, or not recently, okay, so a year ago or so, there was a big Mm -hmm. concert at Civic back when big concert and group gatherings were still a thing in society, Um, and Odessa and Death Cab for Cutie were playing, and I was intrigued and was thinking about going to this concert and checking it out and decided I would um, just bike by and kind of enjoy the music from afar and and it was just really cool it was was great to um see them perform and I thought it was an excellent concert and I didn't know that um I think it's the lead singer from Death Cab for Cutie was from Bellingham and I didn't know that and I was like oh that's pretty cool I had no idea um so I went there enjoyed the concert and then was talking with one of the Max Higby Center board members Bobby Vollendorf and I was like oh yeah I went to this concert it was I really enjoyed it and I thought the music was great and it was very entertaining and I don't know if you've heard of Death Cab for Cutie and Bobby was like oh yeah that guy uh he used to practice in my basement I was like what Ben Gibbard? <laughs> She's like, yeah, Ben. He, he used to come to my house all the time and practice in my basement. <laughs> I just thought that was really, really funny. And um, yeah, I don't think that, I'm not sure if Bobby knew that he's like really famous now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So you are the, the executive director of the Max Higby Center. What got you involved with the Max Higby Center? Like kind of what was your journey from moving moving to the shoeless shoeless rainy town of Bellingham to now being the uh, executive director of Max Higby. Yeah, so I was always really interested in nonprofit work. That was one of the draws to Bellingham initially was just recognizing how many amazing um, and community-oriented nonprofits that Bellingham has to offer and all of the incredible support that they um, provide to the community and just the the vision. I think there's a collective vision uh, that nonprofits share for um, an inclusive, a kind, a supportive community. And I, I wanted to be a part of that. And so I moved to Bellingham knowing that I wanted to work in the nonprofit sector. And um, I happened to, to get a job with uh, one of the nonprofits here called Work Opportunities and supported people, supported people with developmental disabilities in vocational uh, capacities. And I really enjoyed that. I I liked working with business owners and um, getting creative to figure out, you know, what people's career goals were and really individualizing that support and creating inclusion in the workplace. Um, So that was my first uh, nonprofit job and um, just really fell in love with the work of creating an inclusive community and also recognized that I think every community, including Bellingham, has a lot of growth to do in terms of um, creating inclusive and welcoming spaces for people with developmental disabilities and um, and just you know advocacy work around empowering people with developmental disabilities to, to, um, be a part of the workforce. That, that was my focus at the time. And, um, and then transitioned over to Max Higby Center, um, because I was really passionate and I continue to be very passionate about recreation and social spaces that are inclusive. And so I wanted to continue to work and support, uh, folks with developmental disabilities, but in a new capacity. And so that's, um, when I, where I was drawn to Max Higby Center six years ago. Can you speak a little bit to the kinds of services that Max Higby provides and um, sort of the impact it, it has on our town and our community? Yeah, absolutely. So Max Higby Center provides a social and recreational um, community-based programs for Uh, teens and adults with developmental disabilities. And our mission and vision is really to create um, welcoming programs and services that um, empower people with developmental disabilities to to live to live a meaningful life and to live the life that they envision for themselves. So really to have that in that autonomy, that self-direction, the participation in the community in the way that 
they want for themselves. And so a big part of the work that Max Higby Center does is to reduce barriers, societal mm-hmm. barriers that are in place that make it challenging for a lot of people with developmental disabilities um, to be included in communities and to um, and yeah to create the lives that they want for themselves. And so some of those barriers are transportation barriers or um, financial barriers. Maybe it's attitudinal barriers in, in the community. And so Max Higby Center programs all work to reduce those barriers and to create welcoming spaces um, for people to have fun. And, and really the heart of Max Higby Center is about people belonging to their community, people um, being celebrated for who they are and having and having a safe space to be themselves and to just enjoy recreation, to really experience the joy of recreation because recreation and social outlets are so important. And I think we see that now more than ever during this pandemic, how important um, mm-hmm. recreation and socializing is to our identity, to our happiness, to our health. Um, it really affects all facets of of our existence, and so Max Higby Center um, is our programs are based in in recreation and creating joyful experiences in recreation. What are some of your favorite events that the Max Higby Center puts on? Yeah, so when we're able to hold in person programs, um, some of my favorite activities were there was this there was an activity called laughing yoga (laughs) I just thought it was so fun um we had an instructor lead a class in laughing yoga which um it just added a fun element to yoga which I really enjoy yoga as well um and then it was just yeah it was a blast having that laughing element and and focusing on breathing and then just having fun together. But some of the other really cool activities um, that happen on a weekly basis are cooking classes. Um, Well, and I should say, these activities were offered on a a weekly basis. Um, Now that our the center has been closed due to um, COVID-19 impacts. Um, But anyways, I'm, I'm digressing. (laughs) Some of my favorite activities are um, cooking classes, gardening. Uh, we love to go to the YMCA, which is a, a wonderful partner to Max Higby Center. Yeah. What are, what are some of the other community partners that you have for the Max Higby Center? Oh, gosh. There are so many, so many partners. It's hard to list them all. Um, yeah. So some of our our community partners are the YMCA. We use their facility and join in their classes frequently when they were holding those. Uh, Boundary Bay Brewery, every Tuesday we would go into their beer garden and they have some live music that we would participate in. Um, it's called Out of the Ashes, which is an inclusive band. Um, and we'd enjoy that music. And yeah, I think my, my dad, or my dad, my friend Dylan, his dad, um, is part of that. Program. Oh, yeah. And we and Annika, when you were running the um, the outreach program at Western, didn't you have them come and perform? Yeah, we had uh, Out of the Ashes came when I was working at Western. I was the Disability Outreach Center coordinator. Oh, great! But yeah, they're great, and so that's that's awesome, and that's great that the members get to see musicians that mm-hmm. also have developmental disabilities. I think that's great. Absolutely. And music music is such an inclusive activity where you can, you know, dance or just view and listen to the music. You could um, pick up, usually out of the ashes has like drums and tambourines that you could pick up and join in from the audience. It's just, it's really lovely to see such a inclusive activity. So you, you run uh, an organization with lots of moving parts and that impact so many people in our community. What are some of the things that keep you up at night? Yeah, there's, well, there's a couple of things that keep me up at night right now. Um, One of them is just to see how isolating 
this time is during the pandemic. Um, I think everybody's uh, really feeling the effects of isolation right now and, and missing the social outlets and just the in-person contact that we once had. Um, but it's the isolation is not equitably affecting people. And I'm certainly seeing uh, the Max Higby Center members being more isolated during this time for a number of reasons. And, and I foresee that uh, Max Higby Center members will be isolated for a much longer period of time compared to the general population, maybe because they have underlying medical conditions. Um, folks with disabilities are three times as likely to have an underlying medical condition. And as more and more science and research is coming out around COVID-19, we're understanding that um, an underlying medical condition uh, is a really um, important factor um, and creates a risk for contracting COVID-19 and having severe illness from it or even dying from it. So yeah. that is certainly a concern for many of um, our, our members and will be a determinant in as far as how long folks are isolated for throughout this the course mm. of the pandemic. Um, so that's something that really keeps me up at night because we understand um, there's just uh, there's a well-documented uh, need for uh, social outlets and we understand that um, isolation impacts physical and mental health very significantly. So I worry about Max Higby Center members and how isolated they are right now and how they're likely to be isolated for a much longer period of time. Let's see. What else keeps me up at night? <laughs> There's quite a few things. Um, I guess another thing that keeps me up at night is uh, just concerns about funding for Max Higby mm -hmm. Center and for nonprofit, the nonprofit sector in general. Um, I've I've seen a lot of funding sources, or not. I've seen funding sources recently come out that address short-term needs um, and maybe kind of act as like band-aid solutions with programs like the Paycheck Protection Program, um, emergency funding sources. Um, and that's wonderful so that we have um, funding quickly and are able to um, address concerns in our community as they um, as they present themselves. But I'm really concerned about the long-term funding picture. Um, for example, um, Washington State is looking at sweeping cuts to just about every agency, um, every state agency budget, and we're already seeing state workers uh, being furloughed. So, for example, that uh, impacts case managers, and so Max Higby Center works with a lot of case managers um, who are who provide services and who coordinate services uh, for for their clients. And um, since those case managers are being furloughed, they just, they aren't as available for support. Um, and Washington mm -hmm. state already has like the worst case manager to client ratio through the department of social and health services. And so that just is going to really negatively impact the level of service and the level of support that people with developmental disabilities receive. And that's just one cut that is on the table that's being proposed right now. So there's other cuts to the developmental disability administration that, um, will really negatively impact people with disabilities and the services that they're eligible for or the services that they're able to access. Yeah. And I, I was surprised that we were, is it 47th, 48th mm -hmm. in this, in the nation as far as funding for, for DDA, well, it, for our state, it's DDA, but for uh, developmental disabilities. And I, I was pretty shocked by that. So. Yeah. As a state, um, we have a lot of, of room for improvement um, for funding these critical services. And so it's it's disappointing and just devastating to think about the fact that they could be cut even further mm -hmm. at, with an understanding that we, we need to do better as a state we, um, rather than, um, yeah, rather than cut these services. And a lot of these services are life-changing 
right? Mm -hmm. For a, a lot of the individuals that get them. Yeah, absolutely. So for example, Max Higby Center, we are a contracted respite provider. And so that means that our programs, these recreation programs that run Monday through Saturdays from 930 in the morning until 530 in the evening, um, they dual as respite care for families. And so that means that a family member um, who is providing care for a son or daughter or a family member with a developmental disabilities essentially gets a break um, and can take care of personal obligations. They can go to work. They can rest and recuperate while their family member is at Max Higby Center in a safe, enriching, inclusive environment. And so that just really provides a level of stability and support uh, for the family to have that time and space away from each other, um, and to mm -hmm. pursue their own interests. And, you know, it, it, nobody, I don't think anybody thrives if they spend a hundred percent of their time with their family members. It's really no. important for everybody to lead their own life and to find happiness outside of their, their family. So Max Higby Center is a really important resource for folks to be able to do that. I have a couple follow-up questions. Um, so the first thing I want to know, uh, with not as much support coming from the state, is there a way for the community to to help the Max Higby Center financially or otherwise? Yeah, I anticipate that Max Higby Center will really have to lean on the community for support in the coming years um, and rely on donations um, in order to, to carry our services since it's likely that we won't receive as, as much funding from our contracts with uh, DSHS, Department of Social and Health Services. Um, but that's where I, I hope that I'll be able, that Max Higby Center will be able to uh, rely on our amazing supportive community. And we've already seen that happen in the last few months as people reaching out to make donations um, to Max Higby Center, recognizing that we are a vital resource in the community and that um, it, I really think that Max Higby Center is a cornerstone for Bellingham. Um, and we have a yeah, we have an important um, responsibility and vital programs and services that must continue through this really challenging time. Um, and it, it just, in my mind, I, I, I really do trust that the community will come through and support Max Higby Center and that um, together we won't allow Max Higby Center to be, you know, one of the, the programs and services that doesn't make it through this challenging time. Yeah, we hope so. Yeah, <laughs> it's scary stuff to think about. Um, and, you know, I don't want to be all gloom and doom because I, I do, I have seen a lot of really um, amazing things happen during this time that give me hope and that just inspire me to continue on. <laughs> uh, so it, I think it is good to focus on, on that while also maintaining a level of awareness of the reality and some of the scarier things that are happening right now. Absolutely. And, you know, if I know Bellingham, when, as when you get the word out that you guys need help, uh, our community will rise to the occasion. You're a really important part of it. And we're, we're happy to, to help get that word out in, you know, whatever way we can. Well, thank you. Yeah, I was really um, grateful to be able to to share Max Higby Center's story in this, um, and yeah, and share the spread the word with the community because, like I said, it is a really incredible community that rallies when um, there's a call to action. I had another question that it, it kind of goes back to something you were talking about a while ago. Um, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because I'm really curious. So um, Anna and I, we also work with students with special needs and young people. And so uh, one of the big ways that we connected with our students during this time was with technology. Were you able to use technology to service and connect with, with your clients in any meaningful way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in March, we closed... Uh, pro 
in-person programs and followed the school closures and decided um, that due to public health concerns, we would not hold any more in-person programs. And so end of, by the end of March, um, or maybe early April, we had shifted and transferred all of our programs to online programs and to virtual programming. And so we were holding 12 programs a week, actually, online for people to tune in on Zoom and um, and connect. And we had our, our recreation leaders. We have a really uh, dedicated and committed staff who were leading these activities and getting really creative. Um, and holding activities for members to participate in virtually. So we had, um, we would do like book club or just coffee chats or, you know, talk about current world events. Um, uh, we had one member who did a hair mask, like a do it yourself huh. hair mask, nice. <laughs> which was really cool. Um, I tried it and it didn't work out very well for me. I think I need to figure out what her recipe was. Um, so anyways, our staff have just been, um, have, have really stepped up uh, to the challenge and, and risen to that challenge and uh, found creative ways to transfer our programs to an online platform. And folks are having a lot of fun. And I think it's just really, it's been really important for people to see each other and to um, have a, a way to connect during this isolating time. And we've heard from members and some of our families that it's also been meaningful to help uh, shape members' understanding of what the pandemic is um, and how it's affected everybody. We had one member who thought that he was the only one who was being required to stay home. And he could not understand why he couldn't go to work, why he couldn't go to Max Higby Center every day like he normally did. And he thought that, you know, he was being singled out and that his independence was gone overnight. And he just, he could not understand why. And his mom said that it was heartbreaking to every day, multiple times a day, explain to him why he couldn't leave the house. And, um, gosh, I get a little bit teary <laughs> thinking about this member. Um, and she said that Max Higby Center's online programs were a turning point for him and for his family. Um, it was a turning point because he was able to see all of his friends at Max Higby Center online and, and kind of, you know, connect the dots that, oh, this is happening to everybody. This, mm -hmm. all of my friends aren't able to go to Max Higby Center. It's not just me who's not able to go to Max Higby Center right now. This is affecting yeah. everybody I know. Um, and then we also, we incorporate um, a lot of discussion and, and share resources and talk about COVID-19 and what's happening in the world and in our community right now and how to, um, how to follow expert advice and how to be safe in the community. And so that that's been an opportunity for our staff to share um, information and to be a reliable and trusted resource to our members. Because, you know, sometimes it's like you just need to hear something from somebody who's not your mom <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and hear it from like an outside source and be like, okay, yeah, I get it. Um, so we've been able to play that role virtually and that's been um really meaningful for a lot of our members and families. That said, as I'm sure you probably both have um, experienced, it's not an equitable platform and not everybody is able to use, um, use devices and technology and participate in virtual programs or activities, uh, whether it's they are, whether people experience barriers or just don't want to do it, it doesn't, it doesn't work for everybody. So that's, um, been a challenge for us to navigate. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, I imagine for, you know, a lot of your members that I, I feel like independence is very important in the disability community. So feeling like, like you had said that your member had felt like he, he had lost his independence, he probably internalized it way more than even we might, you know, mm -hmm. so I feel like we kind of have talked a little bit about the impacts of COVID-19 on the Max Higby Center and also on the members, but I, I wanted to ask about, um, two. I guess, two things. The first is April Brews Day was totally different this year, so I'm curious how that went. And 
Also, if there's anything big happening in the works for Max Higby Center right now. Yeah. So April Bruce Day, I'll touch on that one first. April Bruce okay. Day this year looked drastically different than any other year. Typically, Max Higby Center holds this event. It's a craft beer tasting event for those who aren't aware. Um, at, down at Depot Market Square, and we gather 5,000 people together to try a bunch of different craft beer from all over the Pacific Northwest and to just really celebrate community and have a, a festive fun celebration together with live music and food um, and entertainment and lots of beer and cider and other non-alcoholic drinks as well. Um, so obviously that event was not possible this year. Yeah. We um, just kind of slowly came to that realization, you know, in March we decided to postpone it and to try and have it in summer, you know, right when the spike started to happen, we were hopeful that we'd be able to, as a community, that we'd be able to slow the spread and really limit the the spread of COVID-19. When we saw that that was not, unfortunately, the path that we were on as a community and that um, the impacts would be quite long lasting, we decided to pretty much cancel it. Uh, cancel the event as we know it and reinvent April Bruce Day and have a pretty kind of historic or monumental um, <laughs> pandemic version of April Bruce Day where people uh, went online and ordered a April Bruce Day kit to go or auctioned or um, participated in some auction items online and then came to Max Higby Center and picked up their April Bruise Day kits to have in their homes, in their backyards, on their porches. Um, and so people stayed in their car and we just had, we rented a refrigeration unit and had folks delivering their April Bruise Day packages with their beer and their growlers and their little April Bruise Day tasting glasses <laughs> um, to take home and, and basically have a backyard April Bruise Day event with their quarantine. Yeah. So it was a lot of, it was really fun. Um, it was really strange <laughs> and, uh, we were able to raise some money for Max Higby Center. So that was, that was great. And, um, again, we just have a wonderful community, uh, because so many folks, um, just came out and participated or donated and, and said, um, that they wanted to support Max Higby Center through these times. Yeah. And then are there any big things happening in the works for Max Higby Center right now? Yeah, so Max Higby Center is currently undergoing um, a capital campaign and a, an expan expansion project um, where we are uh, remodeling a new facility on State mm. Street and um, oh. essentially building it from the ground up um, in order to triple our physical capacity to be able to someday, again, serve them, serve our members and increase our program reach in our community. Because I don't know if you are aware, but Max Higby Center has a waiting list and we have over 50 people on our waiting list who would like to join in our recreation programs but have not been able to because our former space was so small it was um less than 1600 square feet so it was just mm -hmm. this tiny little space and we weren't able to uh, serve very many people in that space and so we've been working on remodeling a, a larger space that'll triple our capacity triple our physical space and just allow us to have um, more robust and vibrant program activities um, because our our former facility was just terribly inadequate in terms of size design it was not very functional for our purposes and so this new space is really going to transform what Max Higby Center is able to do and and also it will improve our visibility in our in the community. Our former space was on Bay Street and just kind of tucked back a little bit so you couldn't see it from the street or from the sidewalk very well. And then this one is right on the corner of State and Magnolia. Um, so it has really good visibility in the community. It's where Alicia's bridal formerly was. 
Okay. Um, yeah, it's in that building there, which has great visibility. Again, it's it's so much larger than our other facility, and it's a block from the bu- from the bus station, which is going to just vastly improve our access uh, or the members' access to our facility because folks can uh, take the bus and then walk just a, a block up to join in recreation and social activities. Oh, that's so cool. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm really excited. I am really glad that this project is underway in a lot of ways because it is something that just continues to bring me joy and excitement for the future. And that's something that I really need these days. (laughs) So it's, it's definitely something to look forward to and will transform what Max Higby Center is able to do. Yeah. And, and we're so excited to see you guys downtown. Me too. That was absolutely critical when the board and I and all of our stakeholders were looking at where to move Max Higby Center. Um, It was absolutely uh, vital that we stay in the core downtown just to access all of the vibrant businesses and organizations and to just be very central in the community. I didn't want Max Higby Center to be sequestered off into, you know, a less um, populated or less trafficked part in our community. I wanted us to be, you know, right in the heart of things. Then we'll move right on to our final and favorite segment, Local Treasures. Uh, In this part of the show, we do a round table sharing of something we ate, drank, or otherwise consumed recently that fills us with local pride. Do you have a pick like that for us, Kate? Oh, yeah. So Local Treasures. I think all of our breweries are just local treasures, Um, not only because... I put on a beer festival each year with Max Higby Center, but I'm just a craft beer lover. And so I've been going to all of our breweries and that's been kind of a highlight in my week is to go to pick one of the local breweries and just, yeah, get some amazing craft beer. And I've uh, made a commitment to only drink local beer these days um, because we have so many amazing options that I don't find that I don't have the need to drink anything else but local beer. So um, once a week, I pick a different brewery in town and make an order. It's so easy these days to go online and um, order some beer and then go pick it up. So that's been a lot of fun. And then I have been making some recreation purchases to enjoy some of the time in solitude these days to, to recreate. Uh, I went to Fairhaven Runners recently. Um, well, I actually, I called them and did a phone consultation for running shoes and they were just so helpful. They always have amazing customer service, but this was like next level. I, in my mind, it was next level customer service because they were trying to like, just figure out what shoe would fit over the phone. <laughs> and so that was um, just, I think, really hard. But the person I spoke with did a great job of, like, asking what shoes I had worn in the past and, like, how my foot does in them. And you made a couple of recommendations. And I ordered some shoes, some running shoes through that through Fairhaven Runners. And I was really happy with them. So he did a great job with the phone consultation. Um, I'm sure that's not something he signed up for when (laughs) first applying for the job, but he made it work. Um, And then I also bought a bike through Earl's Bike Shop. Me and I think every other person in Bellingham uh, (laughs) has purchased a bike. uh, I did not realize this though. Uh, bike companies have like sold out of all of their inventory for like the year. It's just absolutely wild. Yeah. Apparently everybody is buying bikes right now, probably because folks are finding that they have some extra time on their hands and are getting into new hobbies like biking. So me too. (laughs) Yeah. And look, we went full circle, Bellingham, the shoeless city. And then you came and you partook (laughs) in the great shoes of Bellingham. I love it. Oh my gosh. I didn't put that together. <laughs> the, the, yeah, I really uh, spent a lot of time talking about shoes with the two of you. <laughs> it's okay. It'll give us a good idea for our episode name. Yeah, just trying to make a theme obvious for you, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Annika, what about you? What are you going to talk about this week? Um, 
so like I think it was our fifth or sixth episode we had Rhiannon come on from Fringe Boutique and she was talking about a, a special she was running it was called Fringe at Home and you pick one item from her store and then she will style a bunch of things with it and it's like a whole kit for I think it was $60 and it was $100 worth of stuff it was totally worth it and I was very happy with it it sounds really cute and anybody that uh, maybe has seen Annika in person knows how rad she looks my pick this week is uh, the Wander Right Here Right Now Juicy and Hazy IPA. As we learned earlier, there's a difference, and apparently this one's both. Um, I, I'm home with my family right now, uh, as I, I've discussed earlier, and I brought a bunch of beer home for my family to try because I always brag about all the beer we have up here and the consensus from the several uh, several things I brought home was that the right here, right now IPA was the favorite. So good. Yeah. Vienna Lager came in second. Check it's Vienna Lager. And uh, anything past that, you know, it's, it's only four people's opinions, so we don't have to go into it. But <laughs> the, the people in Vancouver, they're digging the Wonder Right Here, Right Now IPA. And uh, I recommend that you enjoy some too. That's a really good IPA. I love that one. Me too. So we want to thank Kate for being here with us today and giving us so much great information about the Max Higby Center. Thank you for having me. It was really a pleasure to join both of you and I have really admired the podcast. It's been a lot of fun to um, listen to some of the episodes and just, yeah, see what's going on in our local community in a very different and new way these days. Yes. We've we've been having fun recording it. Uh, I want to thank Jeff for doing our music, Annika for doing our editing. You can find us most social media places at City of Subdued Podcast or a similar combination of words. Uh, And with that, we are going to leave you all with a big stay healthy, Bellingham. A little more subdued, Maria. Please stay healthy.